Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The topic that you kind of hit on, and and it is such a perfectly Raj question because it's so well intended, is like, is there a scenario here, and you use the extreme example of a 12-game winning streak that would convince the Lakers not to make a major change to this roster or to, you know, can guys play themselves out of, you know, you know, trade, not eligibility, but like the Lakers interest in trading that player. And yeah, I find that to be a very interesting and a fascinating topic. And um, I guess I will start with what I know about various guys. Right. Okay. And I'm here to say that, like, I would be pretty surprised. And this has been the case all year. This message has been relayed to me all year. I would be pretty surprised if D'Angelo Russell was on the team past the deadline. I like, I'm just going to be blunt. Um, it would take a 12 game winning streak to, to, to like basically make them reconsider that idea. And look, with him now, you know, it's hard to trade a starter. You know, it's hard to trade a starter and then bring whoever it is that, that you, you know, you bring in and inject them and get them to work as a starter from that point forward. And if the Lakers do enough winning, um, you know, maybe they make them, you know, they, they, they think of a little bit about it and, and they move off of it. But as it stands right now, I'm told to expect D'Lo to be traded between now and the trade deadline. Now, when it comes to Austin, the Lakers are looking for a reason not to trade him, right? They are looking for they are looking for any excuse whatsoever not to trade him. They don't want to include him in a DeJounte yeah. Murray trade. And the season would have to continue sliding um, in order for them to feel the need to trade him for DeJounte Murray. Uh, right. As far as like like Rui Hachimura, like falls, like if those are the two ends of the spectrum, right? where D'Lo is on one end and the Lakers see an outcome with him and Austin is on the other end of that spectrum and they don't want to trade Austin. Rui is somewhere in the middle, probably closer to the Austin side than to the D'Lo side. Um, they like, they love Rui as a person. He loves being a Laker. They like the fact that he played really well in that playoff setting and playoff experience and playoff success is something that you don't like just trade away willy-nilly he also plays at a, a position that you know is critical 
in this NBA. And I just hate the idea of trading a wing for a guard period almost. Um, And so I think that's a factor as well. So like, as far as those three guys in particular, that's the scenario as it stands right now. And again, as I said with Aaron, as I have said all along, when I report stuff, especially during this time of year, this is as of 12.42 a.m. my time. (laughs) 10.42 Pacific time, 12.42 my time. That is the situation as I But like, if you're asking, can it happen? I guess it can. Will it? I'd be pretty surprised. Okay, so obviously I'm sitting outside the kitchen and I'm at like the table and I'm seeing what's coming out. And there's just nothing that's coming out of the kitchen, Anthony, where I would send Austin Reeves back in. You know, like I'm just, I'm keeping Austin Reeves on, you know, on this team. I just haven't seen anything to me that would move Austin for. Like, I think DeJounte Murray, I've loved him for a long time. He's really good. Is he 30 million or is he 20 million dollars better a year than Austin Reeves? I would, I'd argue no. Is Zach Levine yeah. 35 million dollars a year better than Austin Reeves? No. I would, I would argue, argue no as well. Um, and with the D'Lo point, the, the only reason like that part frustrates me because all summer, like it was talking about continuity, it was talking about build, right? Building on what they did last season, and everything about D'Lo was like his last name was tradable contract. So D'Angelo Russell tradable contract. Um, good, good, good player. D'Angelo Russell tradable contract. Like they could not speak about D'Lo, the basketball player. They had to say the tradable contract part before even getting into anything, um, that he brought on the floor. Uh, I just think like this, like obviously I think him, the Lakers and D'Angelo Russell is a very smart guy. He understood that when he signed the contract, there was, it was extremely movable and he waived his no trade clause. So obviously he had, um, that in mind. The reason I kind of brought up that question is I think this team needs to go on a run like pretty quickly here just to catch up. They're already like two or three games yeah. back of just the play-in. And I'm wondering, like, this team gets hot. It gets on fire. I think it is it is very difficult to just move D'Angelo Russell. Whatever you think of him, I think it's no coincidence that their Lakers' kind of best wins are with him playing well. Like, I, like that's no coincidence to me. He had a, like, five- to six-game slump. But overall, I think he was shooting pretty well. Even with his defensive comments, I think he has given more effort. You know, that's kind of wax and wane especially when he went to the bench. It felt like it was kind of a revolt as bad defensively as Dilo was. If you rewatch the tape, he was absolutely god-awful when he went to the bench, just zero effort on trying. Yeah. His deflections went way down. It was at like two or three a game. It dropped to like 0.1, 0.2. But like, um, yeah, I think I think like this team needs him to play well for us to win. And if this team goes on 12-game winning streak, like there's 12 games between now and the trade deadline. If they win 12 games from here and now, like I'll, I'll live with what happens from there. But uh, obviously, I don't think they're gonna just run up, run the table. We we play Boston, we play the Clippers, we play a lot of good teams. Um, I just think it's a tough. I think it's it's tougher than people are making out to be. Like I get DM'd trade, you know, machine stuff all the time, and Delo's the first name in every single one of those boxes. And I like I don't think that's by accident. Uh, Rui as well is within that, but I think Delo's the one that most fans are kind of like, yeah, just throw Delo and make the money work though. Go dealing, go get me D, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, whoever. Um, I think Delo is important to this team. I think we saw it when Austin started, right? The playmaking is is just is not up to par, which you need for a for a offense in 2024. If like Austin and LeBron are your only shot creators, if you don't get a shot creator back, I think it's troubling. Dejounte Murray is really good. Is he a guy you can give the ball to? I th- I mean, maybe like I'm not sure he's much. I think he's probably a worst playmaker just overall than D'Lo. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think he's a better scorer. Like he's like a 20 point a game. He's like, he's more, he's more individually productive, but 
in terms of it, it, like Zach Levine is 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 kind of cut from the same cloth, like where mm-hmm. like they they are both six five ish type players, super athletes, can pierce a def- defense on their own, but once they pierce that defense, it is with with the intent to score, right? It's not. It's not, you know, get into the teeth of the defense, kick it out. And, and, you know, let alone, like if they're going to get into the teeth of the defense and they're going to make a pass, it's going to be for an assist. It's not going to be for like, kick the ball out to the wing, wings, swings it to a shooter. And that's like, that's just not how they operate. Right. Yeah. And Zach Levine is like with his playmaking, it's just, he's so elite offensively as a shooter. Then like he creates all that attention and he playmakes out of that, but he's not a guy that like drives going to hit like the right skip pass or, you know, he's not like manipulating your defense in that way. He's kind of reacting to how they guard him as a scorer. And I think these are like really legit conversations that the team needs to have. And D'Lo like he's, he's had an like up and down second half kind of of the first half of the season, but I think he's like extremely important. And to your Rui point of him being in the middle, I think we like, I hope Rui's on a minutes restriction. Like, I hope that's the reason that he's not playing well. I think you made the point on all access Lakers, his minutes, like that's what it's been all season. He's averaging 23 minutes a game on the year. He has lived in this minute restriction realm because of the injuries he's had, but like he's a big physical dude. And with the mask off, it feels like he's just attacking the rim with much more force. And I think this yeah. team needs that. Like we, we yeah, lacked this like tonight. It was just like, it, he bounced. I think he bounced like Dort off of him. Yeah. Which is fucking like, insane. Like it, Lou Dort is built like a fire hydrant. You know, that mm-hmm. guy is really hard to move. And I think it was Dort. It was one of their more physical wings. If it wasn't Dort, it was Williams. And, right. and like, Rui just kind of lowers his shoulder and he, and, 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 and that's a playoff bucket Raj. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of play that you need, like that physicality on offense, that will to get to the bucket and that physicality to get that guy off of your shoulder and, and extend up to the basket that way. Those are playoff plays. And that's why, like, I know people have been frustrated with Rui this year. I think a lot of it has to do with injuries. A lot of it has to do with role fluctuation, I think a lot of it has to do with an over-reliance on Torian Prince and Cam Reddish. Um, yeah. And people are like willing because they see the big number and with the big numbers, you can bring back the bigger number um, mm-hmm. on the trade on the trade machine. And that's how people are looking at this. But I'm like, and we just saw him be like one of four players who played well throughout the playoffs last year. <laughs> like he was guarding Jokic, not incredibly yeah. well or whatever, but he was their best solution to guarding Jokic last year. I'm not cool with just like trading that guy, especially. No. And I used to mock this all the time because I think the Lakers got a little carried away with like this being a factor and guys that they brought in, but the desire to be a Laker, to be here, mm-hmm. like relishing the Lakers spotlight and loving the fact that like this fan base is crazy, crazy passionate, has really high expectations and understanding. Yeah. If I play well, it's going to raise my stock. If I don't play mm-hmm. well, they're going to freaking hate me. And <laughs> I understand that. And I welcome it. And, and like yeah. the fact that he functioned with those expectations during that playoff run, I, <laughs> and he plays the wing, like, like, yep. like there's clearly so many ways that he can continue to improve playing. I think the most critical role position in the sport, I'm like, I'm not interested in like just trading him for this, for the sake of getting to a contract number 
with the with the play, with the return from the other team. Me either. Yeah, I, I don't want him to just be salary filler as well. And he's like, he's also like, I, I think he's so much more suited for playoff basketball. Like, I think in the regular season, it, it kind of looks up and down. And I think Darvin Ham has like a proclivity to like lean towards speed, like uh, or lean towards yeah. smaller players, which which is leaning towards speed. And I think he just doesn't like Rui's foot speed. But you watch him tonight; he had some plays switching on Shea. Like he did a nice job on him and. He's like a he's like a matchup nightmare in the playoffs. You play him next to LeBron and AD, like your third smallest Remember dude how has to go. In. They looked. Oh my god! And, and and in the Memphis series, like the threes got all the intention, but all the tap backs, all the offensive rebounds that he was creating, all the possessions he creates because you have to send a body at him to box out. Like that physical toll adds up. Um, and again, like I, I think like a point that's made this season is I just. I want to know if Rui doesn't fit. Like, I want to know. I want to know that. And I feel like I haven't really got a chance. He's been hurt. His minutes have been really up and down. Sometimes he plays 12 minutes. Sometimes, like, when LeBron's out, he plays 30. Like, it goes it goes up and down. And I think Rui has talked about this as well in terms of his role really fluctuating. He's also a release valve offensively. He's hitting his spot-up threes this year, Anthony. Like, he's like he's shooting well as well. Like, I, like I'm like i sure if in his mind, he's like, what do I have to do to play? Like, I'm, I'm hitting my threes. Like In my mind, I'm, too, I'm, Rui. If you're asking that question, I'm asking. <laughs> too buddy um no and and like and so all right here's what here's a scenario that i think okay. is somewhat realistic last week when i talked to um aaron on thursday show i had mentioned that the lakers were not interested in moving their 29 pick but as like as time has kind of passed since then, and and as they've realized, well, shit, we're gonna have to move either Rui or sorry, we're gonna have to move either Reeves or the first rounder to get anything back that makes any kind of, kind of an impact on our team. And so since since I said that that last Thursday, I think they've kind of you know come off of that stance a little bit. They're more interested. They're they're more open to trading the twenty nine pick than they were last week. I I would say. And and this again, like I. I'm sorry that I keep going back to this point because it was a point that y'all were annoyed that I was making over the summer. And like me saying that I was right only sounds dickish of me, but I was right. And the Lakers, like instead of hard capping themselves with Tory and Prince would have been better served to keep Malik Beasley's money on the books, to keep Mo Bamba's money on the books, to re-sign Lonnie Walker to um, a, a, a deal Basically, he would have gotten more than he got for Brooklyn. He would have gotten a raise by staying with the Lakers or whatever. And now you have money that isn't attached to your rotation that you can move with the first round pick and just add to your team, right? Whereas now, right. like you were talking about a second ago with D'Lo, right? You move D'Lo, you're taking away from your rotation. And whatever it is that you add back to your team that now has to not just be an addition conceptually, but it has to make up for what you're taking off of the table by trading D'Lo, right? Yep. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't. It. They didn't try to sign Beasley, LakerCon. They like they they let him walk. <laughs> they could. They didn't have to try to sign him. They could have just brought him back. Um, I think he, he had like to. a non guaranteed yeah. guaranteed deal that they chose not to guarantee. But anyway, yep. Um, with the team as it's constructed right now, there is some somewhat meaningful money that can go out the door that doesn't impact your rotation in Gabe Vincent, right? 
Gabe is not a part of the rotation, has not been a part of the rotation all year this year. I would be, I, I don't think he would be in the rotation this year, period, because of the injury that he's been dealing mm. with. Um, I, like it just feels very Kendrick Nunnish to me. What's been going on there uh. with with Gabe? So, if you're able to take Gabe's money in that first round pick and get like a 10-ish million, maybe you, you add Cam to it as well because he's going to be out for a little bit too. So now you're talking about a 15-ish million dollar player that comes back for two guys that probably aren't going to be in your, rota your rotation here moving forward and is just an addition. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That to yep. me, like people, and, and look, like over the next few, few days, week or whatever, I'll put together a list of guys who fit that, that, um, that kind of uh, salary category or whatever. And, right. and I'll, I'll throw that together and, 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 and paint that hypothetical. But to me, that's a lot more productive than just throw as much money into the trade machine as you can possibly get and hope to get back and hope that DeJounte is enough in addition of an addition to add to whatever it is that you had. Right. You know, compared to whatever it is that you send out and Levine and look, Brian Windhorst said this, um, on the, uh, his today. pod. Yeah. Today, this morning, um, that there, he thinks there's a zero percent chance 0%. that they sign uh, that they trade that they trade for Zach Levine. I have been telling you guys this all year <laughs> that every time somebody says that the Lakers make the most sense for Zach Levine, I always say, yeah, because somebody has to, somebody has to clear <laughs> that bar and be slight, like make slightly more sense than everybody else. <laughs> Nobody in the NBA wants that contract. And so, like, I know I saw some people were saying, like, oh, the Lakers are cheap. How you know all this stuff? No, it's that the Lakers would have to send out half of their freaking rotation to bring in this guy who we yeah. aren't positive makes an impact on winning. So, like, yep. like this is what I'm talking about when like can the Lakers play their way out of trade talks and trade rumors and stuff like that? Yeah, they technically can. And maybe yeah. I could even say that about D'Lo in this specific hypothetical. But like, that's that's the extent of what that would look like. Hundred percent. And I think my point with this, and the reason I asked that question, is like I look at what this kind of team needs, right? Like I like look, I think Dejounte Murray would be great. I just think the upgrade from D'Angelo Russell and and or Austin Reeves to Dejounte Murray, I just think that's like bridging a gap enough of like where this team's margins are. I think we need, probably need a better backup center, although Christian Wood has played really well. So that spot looks a little bit more locked up and I've loved our second units, Anthony, especially with Max Christie in them. We had like Max, D'Lo, LeBron, Wood, and Rui, or like you can put Vando LeBron in there. LeBron Wood really... minutes have been great this year. Yeah. Great. Our second units have been really, have been really solid recently since Wood kind of re-entered and 
Jackson Hayes has kind of uh, been kicked out of the rotation. Um, I think this team needs like a movement shooter, like one elite fire alarm movement shooter that you can run off screens. And I think you can get that without messing up rotation. I think a Gabe Vincent or whatever that salary, and I, you'll you'll create the list um, a little bit later. But I, I mean, think like Gio those Huchifino players, you know, makes more than you think. Like Jalen Huchifino, and it's essentially like trading like a. No, not Jalen. Not his yet. value isn't first round pick. It's it's not first yeah. round pick value. He's he's diminished in value to the to that point. But it's essentially like trading like a high second, you know, a late yeah. first, a high second. So if you yeah. basically send out Cam, Gabe, and 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 Hood Shafino in that first rounder, and you see what you can get back for that package, no, it's not going to be as exciting a name as we're talking about with Zach Levine or DeJounte Murray or whoever like the 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 the, the name du jour might be. It, it it to me would would be a more feasible move. And by the way. Jared Vanderbilt had that interesting quote the other night that I think I heard this morning that, that I think requires more attention where he said, we don't think we need this giant trade to go on mm -hmm. a run. We've gone on a run before. And again, I have been saying all year that the core from last year's team has just been begging buy into us, reinvest yep. Us re believe into. I don't know why they stopped believing us, but but freaking start believing in us. And we think that we can really go on a run last year. That's all they were sold coming into the season was look what you guys did with so little margin for error last year. Just imagine what you guys could do with an off season, with a full season playing together, all these things. Now, half the season is out the window because of the way that Ham has fucked around this year, but like. Like when Han when when Vanderbilt says that, that is how all of those guys feel. Like um when when I saw that quote from Vanderbilt, I kind of asked around and, and and like the the consensus was, yeah, of course they feel that way. They want to mm -hmm. go on a run. They went on a run last year. Like when you go on long playoff runs, you develop like a sense of of almost like brotherhood in in the NBA. Absolutely. You know. And, and like those guys went through that last year, came up short and they're like, just give us a go. Just give us an opportunity. Let's see what we can do this year. And, and I think if you make that kind of more minor tweak and again, like organizationally reinvest back into that core that you told us you were going to reinvest back coming into the season. If you do that, like that to me is more productive than Again, some giant swing for the fences that I don't think the Lakers need to make. Their ceiling this year, Raj, has been impre as impressive as just about anybody's. The, right. the whole like ceiling razor thing isn't to me something that they need to be focusing on. You don't need to swing for the fences when you have the bases loaded and you're only dead you, and it's a tie game. You know, if it's if if the bases are loaded and you're down by one, a single gets you the dub. A single scores two. So like just just hit a single. Just hit it. Draw a walk. <laughs> but you, if you if you swing for the fences trying to hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth and you strike out, then you're screwed. <laughs> then you lost. You squandered that opportunity. 
yeah, that that was a lot of baseball within that. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think I did I did follow I did follow that. Um, no, that's funny. I think that, like, see you like actually like piecing it together. Yeah, like I see the like, thought bubbles above loaded. your head. Yeah, yeah. Well, seeing the baseball players <laughs> trying to attack the ball. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it all. I think I got it all depicted. But um, no, I'm I'm with you. That's where I've been, and I'm like I feel like this team has enough talent. I think we've seen the ceiling enough. I think it's the floor that they have to fix. Really, I think like they played well enough in big games. Yeah. We played Boston, I thought, as well as we could on on Christmas. Um, we beat the Clippers. We beat o- OKC twice. We beat the Suns three times this year. Obviously, the Suns were, were you know in a struggle as well. I just like I think I've seen the ceiling. It's the floor that needs to raise, and I think that's where you get into the rotations and you get you know your wings playing more. And again, not to like give you know Ham a lot of grace, but I think a part of it was Vando being out really like kind of pushed him into this Cam Reddish. Uh, like it pushed Cam Reddish up a tier in the rotation. Cam played really well to start the year. He was defending. Uh, he's defending all the other teams like best on ball players with Vando out. And I thought he did a really solid job with that. And that probably got extended too far. It probably went to like the extreme spectrum. But yeah, I think like this team is deep. That was the whole point of it. They're to have a bunch of depth. And I think you're starting to see it uh, trickle in. You're seeing Rui play well. You're seeing Vando's really start to get comfortable within the season. And I would like to build like that would be my in like Raj's dream universe would be like the team starts to play well, Delo's playing well, Austin's playing well, and then you can add to it. I, I don't I don't want to like subtract from this team already. And obviously Delo's probably the odd man out in, in any scenario. But that's why I asked, like how many wins would it take? If they go eight and four in the next stretch and they beat Boston, they beat the Clippers, they beat Denver within that. I think there's a world where they're like the front office goes, Hey, like let's go get a Luke Kennard. Let's go get a, you know, like Let's go get a Bogdanovich from Detroit, who I think makes a little bit too much. But, like, you know, go get um, – I don't know Marcus Smart doesn't really fill that role. But just go get, like, a movement shooter or get one more offensive wing. Get one more player that's – or go get a go get a Gordon Hayward on, like, a buyout or something like that. Like, that's the kind of addition that I would kind of like for this team. Just one more player in that – a player that's kind of better than Torian. You know, like, cause like that, that's kind of where that – where that margin I think for is, is for us, but um, that that's kind of what I would like this team to do. I'm expecting some like trade during the deadline, but like I look at these contracts, Deont- Dejounte Murray, four years, one twenty left on his deal that doesn't even start till next season. We've already kind of gone through the Zach Levine stuff. I just I don't think those move the margins enough where you have to subtract from a team that made a conference final. So I, I hope that you know scenario exists. I hope there's a world where this team wins at a rate to where the front office has to make some tough decisions. Like, Hey, maybe we don't, we can't just package three of our rotation out uh, cause the team is winning. And I, and I hope they, I hope they get to that point. Yeah. I essentially, and, and I don't think you asked this question in this way <clears throat> or with this um, factor being a part of it, but essentially like my hope for the Lakers coming into like the first 40, however, I think you play like, 50 some odd games by the time the trade deadline rolls around. My -hmm. hope there would have been to play well enough so that you go into the negotiations from a point of, of, of leverage, right? Where you go into those negotiations and you say, essentially, I don't need to make this trade here. I don't need to, I don't need to swap out chunks of our rotation for this player because our team is broken. I don't need to do this. If we can, if I can find a deal, cool. But essentially kind of like walking through a swap meet on a Saturday. If I can feel the right, if I can find the right deal, cool. If not, mm-hmm. whatever. There's always next Saturday. Um, and and um, 
if the Lakers do enough winning between now and February 8th and get back to something closer to that scenario, I don't think they'll be in that scenario because of the way that the season has gone. But if they could win, like, what do they play? 11 games between now and the eighth, right? If they could win, yes, like, seven or eight of those games and and the vibes around the team are better and they you know as those negotiations take place between now and then and especially as you get closer to the deadline the lakers can or rob polinka can you know realistically and believably tell those teams i don't need to make this trade right the whole mm-hmm. problem with the last couple of years was that he was having these conversations about russell westbrook and when he was having those conversations with those other teams it was like we know you have to trade him it is going to cost you a lot to trade that yep. person. And in this case, though, like if the Lakers can do enough winning and they can get back on the right side of the leverage in those conversations, that to me should be kind of like the organizational goal. For the players, it's just to freaking win, right? For the coaching staff, it's to win. And for the coaching staff, it's to regain the trust of the players that I still think is kind of sort of broken. But for the organization, they need to be rooting for wins here so that when those negotiations happen with these other teams, they can do so without like understanding and without the understanding going into those conversations of, we know you're fucked. Give right. us a whole bunch of stuff so you could try to save your season. And in Rob's job, in Rob's case, save your job. <laughs> That's because that it, by the way because i saw i you know raj you you mentioned this in the slack today and i've seen other people mention it you know could this season reach a breaking point where the team decides it's just not fixable if that happens heads roll right darvin's darvin's fired for sure it to, sure. to reach that point and ad and lebron be healthy you can't survive that and if you fire Darwin from in, in Rob Polinka and you fired Frank Vogel to get to Darwin and watch Darwin screw it up this way, that might cost you your job as well. And then from Jeannie's perspective, you're the person who hired Rob not once, but essentially twice. Because when Magic stepped down, you had the opportunity. There were conversations. I've been told that you know there was a conversation with the Lakers and Bob Myers. I've been told that the that they were like Masai Ujiri showed interest in in the position, RC Buford showed some interest in the position. Like there were there were a ton of conversations because there was all kinds of people seeing that opportunity with this franchise and Genie's um, obviously outcome intended outcome. There was nope, we're just going to elevate Rob and we're going to see how we go here, and and so if that is your call there. And Rob has wasted if if this season doesn't go to plan and they decide that it's so far gone to save it, you've wasted multiple LeBron prime seasons. Genie's uh aptitude in this position gets questioned as well. When Jesse and Joey, all they've been doing is been kicking ass on the scouting side here, minus Jalen Huchafina. Um, and so like I I <laughs> <laughs> way too early no <laughs> i was just gonna see if i could sneak that by you but that's a, that's everything that's basically at stake here over the next few weeks and that i think is the hope here is you win enough so you can have those conversations from the point of power 
for sure. And just shout out JHS played his second South Bay game with the you know with the South Bay Lakers today um, uh, as well. But I think you. Fr- how do you do? Uh, I got to I got I got to rewatch the game. I think it was around this. I think it was early in the day, so I got to watch how he played. No, but no numbers um, on it. No numbers yet. I'll, I'll look it up in a little bit. Oh. Um, but I thought you. I think you framed it really well. And the reason I asked that is because I think there becomes a point where teams, where like the vultures start to sort circle, right? Like teams start to look at you, and yeah, you have LeBron at thirty nine. You need to make some move. I'm going to take you for everything you have, right? Kind of how um Mm -hmm. oklahoma city did to the clippers when when they needed paul george kind of they were able to just grab everything in their vicinity and the lakers really they have one first round pick and then they have austin reeves and then obviously jhs that you brought out so it's not like they can take a ton just from this trade deadline but i do think they need to operate with some type of leverage like you talked about but anthony if they're six and seven games behind of the plane which i think tonight was such a big win you lose tonight, that can really kind of domino. You play Dallas on, you know, Wednesday before playing some other inferior teams after that. But now this gives you a nice springboard to kind of get yourself back on regular, you know, footing. The Warriors just continue to – the Lakers and Warriors just trade embarrassing loss after embarrassing loss. is really strange. The Warriors just, up, you know, did them one, one up by losing to the G League um, Memphis Grizzlies, I believe, earlier today. Um, but, yeah, like that's why I asked that because I think if you're six or seven games behind of the plane, is it worth – giving up any draft capital is it worth giving austin reeves up is it worth trading rui hachimura and or is it worth just re you know resettling in the offseason and be able to kind of uh attach more picks obviously and they'll have more first rounders to deal um i'm hoping it doesn't get to that point i don't think it'll get to that point i think lebron and ad are just too good to um kind of lose as much as it was take to get out of the plane but uh yeah shout out jhs man 16 one on four assists this should not be his second game. South Bay has played so many games. I play, I've been to like eight South Bay games and like he's played in two of them now. Like I just, I, I wish he played there more, but um, yeah, like I, I think the team needs leverage during this trade deadline. And you saw that with Russ last season. I think you'll see it again in a month. And like, if the Lakers are like four or five games above 500, when they're going to these trades, I think that makes a world of difference. You're speaking, you're talking from a place of uh, you're not desperate. And I think like, that's a dangerous place to be being desperate during the trade deadline that's when teams make the worst moves that's how yeah. zoo is becomes a that's how zoo becomes a starting center for the la clippers for the last six years god <laughs> that's, that's still my like that's that's the one that bothers me the most still like that dude is so good but um i think that's how you get trades like that when when you're desperate at, at trade deadlines. <laughs>